plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, fans, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And before we get started, i got to remind you guys about the Locked On Sports Network. It is the fastest growing podcast network in the universe currently. So go ahead and subscribe to this show. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a nice little review. Had a few reviews the past few days that were very nice to see. So thank you for those that wrote those out. And uh, don't forget to check out our family of podcasts, Matt Williamson's Locked On NFL podcast for national NFL coverage, as well as local Miami sports coverage on the Locked On Heat podcast, covering your local South Florida teams. Uh, Lastly, my Twitter handle, you can catch me there, at Wingfield NFL, where I tweet out stuff just about every day uh, throughout the day about the Miami Dolphins. If you're following me currently, you know that I'm randomly putting out thoughts into the universe uh, on my Twitter account account there. So check that out as well. Check out the Locked On Sports podcast, and let's get into the show today. Here's the things we're going to talk about right away. So let me get some uh, some clarity off the jump here. I promised you guys a, a segment yesterday. I did not get that segment done. I owe you an apology, and here's my excuse. I, I work in an upstairs office in my house when I record these episodes, and the AC unit in the window right behind me is extremely loud, so I have to turn that off in order to record. Otherwise, you guys are going to hear a bunch of muddling and uh, bad sound in the background. So I turn that off, and I sweat it out just like the Dolphins sweat out training camp in the summer, uh, late July, early August. It's the same out here. I'm in the in the middle of Washington State where it's actually a desert. Most people think it's actually mountains in all of Washington, but once you cross over the mountains in central Washington, you get desert and you get the extreme heat in the summertime. So I am sweating it out for you guys every episode here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, uh, your source for everything Miami Dolphins. And I just simply forgot to do Jarvis Landry yesterday, and I talked about it, and so we're going to get to that thing right away. The first thing we're going to talk about is Jarvis Landry, but before we do that, the rest of the show, just want to get you guys up to date here on what we're going to discuss. We've been previewing the training camp roster and who's who's going to be where and what role everyone's going to fill out. 
Uh, today's going to be the defensive line, which is uh, a potential strength of the Dolphins. There, there's some good guys coming back, some veterans, obviously some rookies, and some lower-level names that you guys may not have heard about. Uh, I'll be honest with you, there's a couple names on the list here that I'm not even sure where they come, they came from before my Wikipedia search and looking them up that way. So lots to get to here today. But first, let's go ahead and get into that Jarvis Landry segment. It's been well documented that Jarvis Landry is wanting a new contract. And in the minds of a lot of Dolphins fans, clearly he's deserving of that new contract. He's broken the franchise single season uh, reception records. He made the one-handed catches we all know about and we all love. He's that fiery you know, Kickstarter on the offensive side of the football that gets things going. Uh, if you recall the winning streak last year, the first Pittsburgh game, the Dolphins committed a penalty on the first play of the game, and the second play of the game was a quick swing pass to Landry. He catches it, takes up the sideline, runs over a tackle, forces a, f- a penalty on him, uh, or against him rather, and just got the offense going that day. So he's that lightning rod, that Kickstarter to the offense that really he's really the catalyst of the offense, especially in the passing game with the short passing game and, and what that has become today in today's NFL with the extension of the running game being more of a, sh- a short and controlled passing game. So he has the reception production. He, the touchdown production is not quite there. The yardage is definitely there with over a thousand yards last year, but he, I think it's the thing that people really want to see out of him is expanding his game to more of a complete dynamic outside type of playmaker. Now that could be unfair in a number of ways because Jarvis Landry and a lot of players in the NFL, everyone wants to ask them what they can't do, which is my opinion and my scouting opinion isn't really the best way to look at things. It's kind of short-sighted because why would you want to know what a guy can't do when there's plenty that the guy can do and you have roles within the offense you can give him to make him expand upon that success and those abilities that he has. So Jarvis Landry, a very talented pass catcher, we all know about that, a phenomenal tackle breaker, and like I said, the, the fire starter of the offense. He's got plenty of stuff that he provides this offense from a skill and leadership standpoint. So you, the Dolphins made it a point this offseason to reward their own and show guys an example for how you get things done. You show up, you work hard every day, and you produce on Sundays. You're going to get the paycheck. So Landry has done everything they've asked him to. I think where the disconnect becomes, I don't think it's pretty obvious, this, the disconnect comes on the compensation end. He wants a bunch of money. He wants to be paid like Antonio Brown, like Julio Jones, like Odell Beckham is eventually going to be. All these elite receivers that get the big money, he wants that. And going back to what I said previously about his abilities as a slot receiver and not necessarily being able to go outside and win one-on-one on the perimeter, you know, he's got to look in the mirror and say, I'm not one of those guys. I'm more in the mold of a Doug Baldwin or a Golden Tate type of contract, a guy that is a great receiver and in his own right, a great slot receiver does a lot of things very well, but there's just limitations that you have to take into account on that contract. So I think the dolphins and Landry have to meet somewhere in the middle on that. If it's ever going to get worked out because right now, you know, they've got Kenny stills in the big money contract. Adam Gaze loves Kenny stills. We'll get to that here later in the show talking about today's tr- uh, training camp happenings. And then Devonte Parker, the potential breakout star. We'll get to that as well. If that happens, then you're sitting there with Jarvis Landry in a situation where is he the type of guy that commands the big money when there's two guys in the roster that could possibly be higher production receivers than him? I know that's going to be sacrilege amongst a lot of Dolphins fans saying that type of stuff, but it's it's a possibility this year. There's a possibility that Stills and Parker both catch more yardage and touchdowns than Landry. And if that happens, I don't see how you can possibly pay him Antonio Brown type of money. So they got to meet in the middle somewhere. Uh, regardless, this receiving crew has an opportunity to be completely dominant this year. 
And if it is, I would just waste no time and go ahead and giving Jarvis Landry that that uh, franchise tag next season if he can't agree to a long-term contract. So that's about where they are right now. I don't think a deal will get done before the season starts, and that's what Landry's deadline was. I'd imagine they're going to let this thing play out throughout the season and see what Parker does. As for today's training camp nuggets, actually yesterday's training camp nuggets for August the 2nd. Uh, I'm recording on August the 2nd. I figured it's better to record the night before. That way you guys have the information from me first thing in the morning so you can wake up and drive to work and you have that info rather than posting it later in the day because I'm on the West Coast, just not going to work out. So when I get to the season, things will be different. But right now for training camp, we'll talk about the previous day's happenings at training camp. And yesterday, the NFL Network was all over Miami Dolphin camp coverage with Mike Garofolo walking around out there and talking to Andrew Siciliano and Greg Rosenthal and Daniel Jeremiah. The entire NFL Network crew had an emphasis on Miami Dolphins camp today as their AFC East preview slash focus for the day. So it was good to see them get some coverage and actually positive press, especially from Mike Garofolo, who's more of a Northeast type of guy. He went on the air and talked about some of the stuff that he talked about with Adam Gaze, as well as Ryan Tannehill. And the thing that he mentioned that really stuck out to me was how, quote, spry, end quote, Ryan Tannehill looked bouncing around with no limitations whatsoever. We've heard that all camp. We've heard that all spring. Ryan Tannehill actually said that he gets frustrated when people ask him about his knee. He said, it's fine. I don't want to talk about it. Adam Gaze mentioned that they've only talked about it once throughout the offseason. Ryan Tannehill gathered in the press the first day and said, hey, look, I want everyone to hear this loud and clear. My knee is fine. Quit asking about it. So the knee, not going to be an issue going forward for him or for this team. And you see him out there with that clunky knee brace, but he's moving around just fine. So no concerns for Ryan Tannehill with the knee injury right now. As for his ability to play the quarterback position, that's something that Adam Gaze expanded on quite a bit today when asked, you know, what they want to do with Tannehill from an aggression standpoint or some of these interceptions that are coming in in practice, which there's a, a good Armando Salguero article about how some of these interception numbers are being inflated. He's actually only thrown one per day through the first four days of training camp or whatever it was. I'm not sure where Armando's getting those numbers from because I'm not there, but we had to take his word for it, I suppose. But one of the things that Adam Gaze said was that they're encouraging Tannehill to be more aggressive in practice and take more opportunities and trying to thread needles because we know he's got the good arm talent, but Gaze has to be able to see the certain things that they're going to be allowed to do on the practice field and say, okay, that worked. He has the ability to squeeze that window. He has the ability to throw that ball with that amount of touch. This route's timing works at this particular drop or this particular angle on the route. All those things that come into factor, there's a reason you practice to perfect those things. So take your chances in practice, be aggressive, see what you can and cannot get away with. And that's just Adam Gaze's brilliant mind at work again. Just really getting the most out of these players. And speaking of getting the most out of players, another guy that he talked about was Kenny Stills and the hidden production that Kenny Stills produces. Now, back when I wrote for the Perfectville website uh, my last summer doing the training camp and throughout the course of the season, about midway through the season, I wrote a piece on Kenny Stills and talking about how he creates opportunities for other players on the field, and that's actually a pretty good piece still up on the on the Perfectville website. But uh, I wrote that they he runs all these clear-out routes, and he does all these things at full speed and 100% effort, making it easier for other guys to get open because when the defense is chasing Kenny Stills, they're not going to come off that route to find the primary receiver if Kenny Stills is selling the route as if he's running a full a full route that is supposed to be targeted on a particular play. So Kenny Stills, in addition to the touchdowns and the yardage and the big plays, he does so much more for this team than you see when you just watch the games on television. And when you watch it on film, you can really, really see him standing out in that way. 
Uh, the last one note from training camp today in terms of playing ball is Devontae Parker continuing to impress, going up and catching more touchdowns, high point the football. He just feels like no matter what happens, he is in control of the ball or the route or every particular play where he's the best player on the field. And that's the kind of mindset he has to have. I've said this countless times that he has AJ Green-like ability, and it's good to see him starting to flash that in camp. Sounds like it's been most of the, of the same for him throughout camp so far, just dominating training camp and hoping that his those improved work habits are going to start showing an impact on the games on Sundays. But we are not to Sundays yet. We are still in training camp, and there's a few uh, news and nuggets to get to here with training camp. A couple of uh, guys coming back or leaving from injury. The, the one coming back is the biggest news, I would, I would say. Rashad Jones came back today off the non-football inactive list. And Adam Gaze said that uh, his conditioning test, he said he crushed it. I don't really know what that means. I don't really know how you're supposed to crush a conditioning test other than just going out and doing it at full speed. So I assume that's what he means. And I assume that means that Rashad's finally healthy. And that's a really good sign because we need that tackling, that improved tackling and that veteran presence and just everything that he brings needs to get back on the field this year because they sorely missed it late in the year. He does a lot of things so special in both the pass and the run defense game. Uh, I just love seeing him come down that strong side C gap where he comes off over the tight end on the strong side of the formation and blitzes off the edge, and he usually beats the guy around the edge and gets into the backfield and makes a play. When you have him and William Hayes and Raekwon McMillan working that same side, or Lawrence Timmons, I should say, it's going to be really fun to watch in a much improved defense. So good to see him back out there. Jay Ajayi, uh, not as good news, but I'm not too worried about it. They did say it was actually, in fact, a concussion, and they're going to go ahead and hold him out for a little bit of time. How long that is, I'm not sure. I would just throw a red jersey on the guy in practice, get him his reps, get him his walkthroughs, get everything done, hold him out of the preseason. He doesn't need to take any more hits than he already is going to this year. He's going to be a 600 to 700 rep type of guy, and running backs get hit every single play, so you might as well limit the times that he gets hit. That's my opinion on it. I think that's what they should do. We'll see what they do going forward. And then lastly here, another injury that's probably going to be season-ending, but not for a big-time name. Seventh-round rookie Isaiah Ford was going to get an opportunity to make this team as possibly a fifth receiver. I don't know that he would have, but he had the chance to, and now that opportunity seems to be over. He had knee surgery today and probably going to be out for the year. Gives an opportunity to guys like Rashawn Scott to come back off the PUP. Guys like Jakeem Grant to re-solidify their position on the roster, guys like Drew Morgan from Arkansas to continue his hot offseason and try to make this club. So a lot of things happening today at Dolphins training camp. Uh, it just seems like everything has been gearing towards positive reinforcement, especially at the quarterback position with the offense, the young players. Just all good news all around. And it's really exciting to hear that from training camp. And speaking of training camp, let's get into the last segment here for the day for today's show on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast on the Lockdown Sports Network. It's the defensive line group from training camp, potentially one of the strengths of this football team moving forward. Last year, it had that ability at times, and it kind of wavered back and forth. They lost Mario Williams basically after that first game in Seattle, and then he had a pretty good performance in the Buffalo game. But from that point forward, he was pretty much a wash. So he kind of reverted those expectations back a little bit, but they've sent in more reinforcements this year. Should be a better group this year. You all know about Cameron Wake coming back, number 91, the potential Hall of Famer if he continues to play at this high level. Like a James Harrison from the Pittsburgh Steelers, if he continues to play at this high level till that age, I see no reason to keep him out of the Hall of Fame if he gets closer to 100 sacks and the team has more success. But he's just a beast. He refused a veteran day off the other day. Just shows you the kind of work ethic that guy always has had. Andre Branch, we know about him, number 50. 
it seems like he's working harder than he did last year. I don't, I don't really know how hard he worked last year, but the reports are that he's out there busting his butt every day. And that's good to know because sometimes these guys get paid and they kind of go away. But he was a second round pick, comes over from Jacksonville after kind of fluttering out over there and has his best year of his career with Miami. So he's back. William Hayes is another sub package type of player, run defender off that strong side edge. I mentioned him earlier with Rashad Jones in regards to the strong side C gap defending. He's going to help a long, long way with that, and he's a good veteran presence in that locker room. Charles Harris, the rookie, number 90, we all know about him as well. Just been really blowing up camp lately. Good to hear about him. He's going to be a pass rush specialist this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he took over a starting role at some point for Andre Branch because I think he's that good of a player. The other defensive end that I have in this first group here that I I kind of grouped them together was Terrence Fade. Despite his uh, special teams gaffe last year in that Cincinnati game when Darren Rizzi's head just about exploded, He's been a pretty solid, steady player. He's made a good career for himself as a seventh-round pick. These guys typically don't catch on for as long as he has, but he's been here for a while, continues to get backup reps, special team type of guy, good player, number 78, Terrence Faday. I'd imagine he makes the club again. And the defensive tackles we're going to be relying upon this year. And Donald Kinsu, I don't think I need to talk about him at all. He's a, he's probably the most dominant player at that position besides Aaron Donald, if not you know in the same type of company. So, And Donald Kinsu is back. Jordan Phillips is kind of the catalyst of this defensive line because he gives you, or he can give you 20 to 25 snaps a game where you're just like, whoa, that dude is, he's showing up, he's flashing, he's a big time player, but then he can disappear for the 15 snaps, get completely washed out of the gap, get his back turned, get himself on ice skates and get pushed away from the play. And there goes a 20 yard run or even more if the safeties can't make a tackle. So Jordan Phillips needs to develop more consistency. I think he will. This is his third year in the system, in the league. And uh, you hope that he kind of responds in that way. The other two guys are going to be spelling him, or you hope are going to be spelling him, are the rookies. And those uh, the two veterans are also in the mix as well. So the four guys there, Devon Godshow, Godshock, I'm not sure how to pronounce that just yet. We'll find out when Bob Greasy tries to pronounce that next Thursday in this preseason opener against the Atlanta Falcons. But he comes over from LSU, a rookie, kind of trying to get his bearings right now. He's a little bit short and stubby and explosive, so he hasn't gotten the technique down all the way yet at the NFL level. His fellow rookie, Vincent Taylor from Oklahoma State, a big, beefy guy with a, a heavy hands and a, and a, and a big midsection. Should be able to push some bodies around at some point. We don't really haven't heard a lot about him in practice either yet. But the two guys that figure to be ahead of them in the rotation currently are Julius Wormsley and Nick Williams. Both had a cup of coffee with the club last year on the in the rotation in on Sundays. Julius Wormsley started off so strong in the preseason, played so well in the preseason, and then kind of fluttered out from there. I saw him live in the Seattle game. Thought he had some nice plays there, but then he really really took a step backwards and got himself back on the practice squad. Nick Williams, same vein. He just doesn't really show up a whole lot. Number 98. Uh, don't know what to expect from him. He's got a chance to make this rotation. So those are the names to keep an eye on. I think Thursday, Devon Godshow, Vincent Taylor, Julius Wormsley, and Nick Williams, the guys I really want to see perform and see who can nab, nab that third and fourth defensive tackle rotation spot. And then the four names, I, I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing a couple of them. Not really sure who these guys are, where they came from. Uh, you can you know you check it out on, online as I did, but I hadn't heard of their names before this. Cameron Melvadu, not sure if I pronounced that right. Arthur Miley and Lawrence Okoye actually was with the club last year, and he has a chance to get into that rotation too. But I included him in this group because I think that the expectation is that he is not quite up to that level yet. And then Joby Saint Fluer, you got me on the pronunciation there. Also, couldn't tell you, but that is your defensive line group for the Miami Dolphins. I, it figures to be a much improved group. 
this year than it was last year with health and hopefully with uh, Jordan Phillips really stepping up his game and, and becoming the player that we all hope he is. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. I tried to fly through it here for you. Got a lot of information to get to. Uh, be sure to, sub- to subscribe to the podcast. Every subscription you get downloads the episode for you right away. You don't have to go in and find it, so you get your daily dose of dolphins that way. Leave us a five-star rating. Write us a review. Tell me how much you love me, how much you hate me. Just give me a review either way. And check out check out the other Locked On Sports podcast, the uh, Locked On NFL podcast with Matthew Williamson, You know your Miami Heat, Locked On Heat podcast. Wherever your region is, check out the Locked On Blank podcast because we have you covered on that front. For me, I am Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL on Twitter and check out thirdand10.com, my personal quarterback evaluation website. I watched every snap of every quarterback last year, wrote down breakdowns, provided with GIFs, all that good stuff for you guys. A good page on Ryan Tannehill, a good article on Ryan Tannehill there, as well as Jay Ajayi and the zone blocking scheme and where those influences came from with Tom Moore, Clyde Christensen, and Edger and James, Peyton Manning, the play-action passing game, all that good stuff in that piece. Check out thirdand10.com for that. For more Miami Dolphins football, NFL quarterbacks, and everything football you want, follow me at Wingfield NFL on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. Check back again tomorrow for another show, and we will talk to you guys then. All right, fins up. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.